Thank you, Brother John, for filling in for us today. Thank you, Miss Kathy, as always, for playing as well. Genesis chapter 50 this morning. Genesis chapter 50. This morning, I'd like to talk to us about stretched faith. Stretched faith. Nine times out of ten, if I hear the phrase, faith being stretched, someone saying, uh, well, my faith is being stretched, or my faith was stretched, I look at that as a negative thing, meaning that I assume something tough has happened, and uh, someone is trying to stay positive in how they're responding uh, to it. And uh, they're looking back on the tough circumstance, and they're just saying, God was stretching my faith in this instance. I've used the phrase, uh, my faith was stretched uh, many times, especially over the last seven years, and, uh, and, and meant the same thing. Uh, I looked back at a, something that negative that happened in my life, and trying to stay positive, I just said, I guess the Lord is stretching our faith, and oftentimes, He did indeed. And that's what I want to talk to us about this morning, because if we look back, and when it comes to the last Sunday of the year and the first Sunday of the year, uh, there's a couple different ways you can go. You can look back at the entire year, um, or you can look forward to what's ahead. Next week, we'll look forward. Uh, this afternoon, we're going to look forward, talking about resolutions. But this morning, I thought it uh, best to look back at an interesting year that we've had as a whole, not necessarily as a church, well, a church too, but uh, many of the things in the church have been, have been incredibly positive. God has been incredibly good to us this year. But we look back in the world, we look back at uh, work in the past, uh, past 12 months, we look back at uh, home life, we look back at different things like that. And, and I think there's probably, in most of our lives, things we can look back on and go, boy, God used that to stretch my faith. 2020 is going to be a year that goes down in the history books. It'll definitely be one that will be uh, remembered for a long time, one that we'll tell our kids about, and our kids may remember enough to tell their kids about. It'll be, it'll be one of those years, you know, where you just say, you know, that was just a really weird, uh, strange year that we've had. Starting back in March, if you remember, we got the news that uh, for two weeks we're going to go ahead and shut everything down. And uh, at the time, it seemed like a good decision, and, and, uh, and we did it as a church, and, and um, many people had to, uh, with work and different things like that, and everything just kind of stopped for the most part, and uh, then two weeks passed, and nothing had really changed. As a matter of fact, we were maybe more confused and more uh, wondering, what in the world is going on? When will it end? Uh, I remember as a sports fan, the March Madness, the tournament getting canceled, and I remember thinking to myself, why in the world would they cancel it? Why wouldn't they just wait a couple weeks and play it then? Well, little did we know that uh, we would stretch into the summer months. And, uh, and for sports fan, all sports were stopped for like two months' time. And I didn't know what to do with myself. Uh, but uh, other things continued to go on. And we continued to learn more about what was happening. And, and uh, although there are still many questions, we began to come to grips with the fact this was not going to be a short-term situation. It was going to drag on and drag on and drag on, and it has. And it's gone all the way through now as we end the year, thankfully, at midnight, January the 1st, um, it'll all be over. No, I'm just kidding. But um, uh, it'll still carry on a little bit, but we, we see the end in sight, at least, I believe. And, uh, and nonetheless, I'll hold all my personal opinions and theories to myself, but 
nonetheless, we, we can say this year has been an interesting year. When we look back as a church and we look at this year, um, we shut down for two weeks in March and went on to online services, and we actually ended up being on online services for, I think, six weeks. I don't remember exactly. They are on there longer than I anticipated. We had a little makeshift um, uh, studio at the house to do the, the Facebook Live uh, with and uh, set up right in front of my television there for a while and, and had our card table out and the computer set up, lifted up on multiple books and just all kinds of fun stuff going on. We come back to church, we were able to meet back together again in person and, and it wasn't long. We were making adjustments, me and Tyler were at the church moving the platform from one, one side of the building to the corner of the building so we could spread out better and got a phone call uh, from a gentleman who said, hey, I just bought your building, can I come meet with you sometime? And, and he came over while we were there and, and let us know that they were going to be tearing down the building and uh, giving us a, a notice of, uh, and we're thankful for the amount of time that he gave us. Um, but a notice to get out of the building. So we began looking for uh, rental spaces in Lexington and looking around and trying to find uh, something in our price range because we had an incredible deal at the building we were in and uh, couldn't find anything close to that at the time when uh, Jason found this building and brought it to Tyler and Tyler brought it to me and then we brought it before the church and he said, well, let's pray about it. Let's at least go look at it, those kinds of things. And next thing you know, uh, it was really about a three-week process of putting in an offer, the bank approving us after the offer had been accepted. The bank finally approved us. The uh, grant came in as well, and, and uh, the Lord just poured in blessings uh, to allow us to move into here. And now, for the last several months, here we've been growing, we've been learning, we've been stretching our faith and allowing God to take care of us as He always has and so today I'd like us to look at that idea of stretched faith and ultimately the result of stretched faith because we all understand the idea of being stretched, right? If you take Play-Doh and you pull on it and stretch it out, eventually it'll snap and that's not good for us, right? Uh, if you had uh, uh, Silly Putty growing up, I don't even know if they still make it, I assume they do. Uh, silly Putty and you could play and you could pull and you could stretch. A rubber band, you can stretch it out a little bit and it comes back. All these different things. We have the idea of being stretched. As a person and our faith in God being stretched, it ultimately means growth. It means God saying, this is an area that maybe before you wouldn't have had faith in, but you've come through it because you did have faith in it, and now you've grown because of it. You have been stretched because of it as well. In Genesis chapter 50, we come to the end of the story of Joseph and his brothers, Joseph in Egypt now, one of the uh, leaders of the world at this time. His brothers uh, have now found out who Joseph is, the boy that they threw in a pit, that they sold off into slavery, now is a man and now controls their fate. And they just found out that. They were terrified that Joseph now was going to uh, come back on them and reward them what they deserve. But here in verse number 19, the Bible says, And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am, uh, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. We see Joseph with the right mindset here, as his brothers were scared because they deserved to be punished by Joseph Joseph said, I'm not God. I'm not in the place of God. He said, you did something to me that you meant 
for evil. You meant for wrongdoing. You meant for hurt. But God, he meant it for good. And because of it, good things have happened. I think Joseph is a great example of stretched faith, and we're going to use him as our main example today. But we'll look at several other things as well this morning, the result of stretched faith. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning as we look into your word. And God, we, we have been through an interesting year in our personal lives, in our work lives, in our church life. Lord, we've seen and, and experienced things that we've never seen and experienced before. But God, you've brought us through it. We're now uh, closing out the year and beginning to start a new year, which is a, a natural sign of new beginnings, of, of restarts, of refresh, of resolution. But God, may we not forget how you've stretched us in this last year. And God, I pray that today as we look into your word that we would see the positive result of you stretching our faith. And God, I pray that you'd help me as I present this and these verses clearly, that I do it clearly and that I do it correctly. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. When we are being stretched, it is hard sometimes to think about the end result. Right? We're in it. We're in the process of being stretched. It's hard to think about what's actually going to be the end result. We're thinking about the pain that we're going through at the moment. And as we get caught up in the moment or simply because we just don't know what the end result will be, the Bible says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Before we come back to Genesis 50, I kind of want to break down that verse because I think it fits in perfectly so you're going to get two sermons in one today uh, in romans 8 28 it's a verse that we hear often but oftentimes we hear it out of context because someone who doesn't obey god will say all things work together for good well that's not the verse that's the first part of the verse but the verse concludes with to those or to them that love god and to them that are called according to his purpose so let's break it down phrase by phrase and we know romans 8 28 says this is consolation. We know God. We know who God is. We know what God is capable of, and we know what he's promised us. And we know all things, trials, afflictions, good things, bad things, highs, lows, mountains, valleys. We know that all things work together for good, mutually contribute to our good. When God says that all things work together for good, it's not just talking about for him. It's talking about for us as well. Uh, I'm going to go through three verses real quick. Psalms 119, 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now uh, have I kept thy word. Psalm 119, 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Hebrews 12, 11. Now, knowing, uh, now no chastening uh, for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, O afterward... It yieldeth the peaceable fruit of the righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. In that time of stretching, it doesn't always feel right. It doesn't always feel good. But the end result is good. All things work together for good uh, uh, to our welfare, the promotion of true peace, of true happiness, to them that love God, those that accept the rebuke from God and get better and not bitter. To them that love God, those that accept the rebuke from God and get better and not bitter. Sometimes in our process of being stretched, we become bitter at God. And we say, God, I don't know why you're doing this. I don't know why you're making me go through this. I don't understand this. 
and I don't want anything to do with it. And they reject God and become bitter at him. But to those that love God, those that accept the rebuke or even the stretching that God is, it's not always rebuke, but the stretching that God is putting us through and we get better, closer to God, and not bitter at God. To them who are called Christians, not, not just religious people, not just good people, but those who are called God's children, according to his purpose, according to God's will, according to God's desires. That verse is important for us to understand that when we're going through a stretching period, when God is stretching our faith, when we're going through a trial, when we're going through a hardship, when we're going through something we don't understand, it should be a comfort to those that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. It should be a comfort to know that all things work together for good. I'll tell you, there are times we come through the stretching period and we think that we've come through it and we see the result that's there and we go, I'm still not seeing the good in this. The, the end result is promised to us by God to be good. Mutually good. Something that will bring joy. Something that will bring glory to God. It will be good for us. It will be good for God. If we continue to follow and if we continue to obey and if we continue to have the faith. It's when we fail in the faith that things don't turn out well. It's hard, isn't it? I, I can't be the only one to think it's hard. It's hard. Even though we say we know who God is and what God is capable of, oftentimes it's still hard for us to have faith that God's got it, that God's in control, that God's going to, to take care of it. Because we're sitting there and we're sitting there going, God, it hurts. God, it's hard. God, it's taking forever. Have faith. Follow through. Allow your faith to be stretched. Why? Because there's good to come, and that's where I want to come back to Joseph now. We, we look at Joseph's life and his story, and you can ask the question, how was Joseph's circumstances good? First today, number one, the love of his father put him in a pit. Joseph was loved by his father. The Bible tells us that his father loved Joseph more than any of his brothers. That's not good parenting, by the way. They should never know that you love the one better than the other. But uh, no, I'm just, just kidding. But the Bible tells us Joseph's father loved him more than his brethren. And so he caused bitterness and jealousy amongst his brethren. If you, uh, um, oh, I didn't, <laughs> forgot the chapter. Uh, but if you look back in, in his stories, you're going to see this. And as the brothers get jealous and then, and then Joseph has dreams. You remember the dreams Joseph had? And he came and he shared the dreams. And ultimately the dreams were saying that they were all going to bow down to Joseph one day. It's a good dream to keep to yourself if you're Joseph. But nonetheless, he shared those dreams. And, and either they didn't understand the dream, they didn't believe the dream, or they just didn't care about the dream. They became very angry. And the Bible tells us that they threw joseph into a pit and originally they planned to kill him and one of his brothers said no 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 let's not kill him then as they saw some travelers coming through they had the idea let's sell him and they sold joseph off and they took his coat that his father had given him and bloodied it up and brought it tore it up and brought it back to their dad so the dad thought that joseph was dead and in their minds 
they would never see Joseph again. In their minds, he was dead also. Well, that doesn't seem good. <laughs> if you're on a camel headed off uh, to slavery, I wouldn't say that that would be a good situation. And why was he in that situation? Because his dad loved him. I tell my kids that I love them. None of them have ended up in a pit just yet. Still time. You know, Joseph didn't do anything wrong. Joseph, you say, well, he shouldn't have shared the dreams, but he wasn't wrong to do so. It maybe wasn't super wise, but it wasn't wrong to do so. Joseph did nothing wrong, but his, the love of his father ended up having him on a, in a pit and then eventually shipped off into slavery. Number two, we see that Joseph's attitude and work ethic put him in prison. Now, typically, you would say, uh, you would assume then he had a bad attitude and a poor work ethic, but that wasn't the case. Turn back to uh, chapter 39, Genesis chapter 39. Verse number 2 through verse 6, the Bible says, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made him all that he did, to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight and served him. And he made him overseer of his house and all that he had um, he put into his hand. And it came to pass uh, from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessings of the Lord was upon him, or excuse me, upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand and he knew not uh, aught what he had Save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. The Lord blesses those that do right. And you stand out when you do right. In any workplace, in any workplace environment, when you do what you're supposed to do, you stand out. And Joseph stood out. Now God was with him. God favored him and therefore he found favor in his master's sight. This is Potiphar's house. And the Bible tells us that because of his work ethic and his attitude and God's favor on him, that Potiphar put him in charge of everything in his house, a slave in charge of everything in his house. Potiphar didn't even realize what all that he had. He just trusted it to, to Joseph. Why? Because Joseph did right, even as a slave. I remember um, <laughs> when I went to college, I got a job at a gas station, and my first time at the gas station, they gave me the checklist, things I had to do while I was there. It was a truck, truck stop. And uh, so I got the list, and I went to work. And about two hours later, the list was completed. And I came back to the manager, and I said, all right, I've got all this done. What now? And he said, what, you got all that done? I said, yes, sir. And he said, that's supposed to last you eight hours. And I said, oh. How? <laughs> I don't understand. I grew up in an environment where you worked as hard as you could, as fast as you could, to get it done as well as you could so that you could move on to the next thing. There was always something to do. And he, he made it very clear to me, when you come in tomorrow, this list lasts you eight hours. Don't get done maybe a little early, but not this early. Okay, and it wasn't like a huge list. It wasn't like I was some superhuman and accomplishing this list, it was just do the work and he got done. 
So I learned that they expected slow, which I thought was weird. I still think it's weird, but nonetheless, when you work hard, you, you do stand out. When you do a good job, it stands out. My dad always taught me, if you're not being talked to by the boss, that's a good thing. Um, if you're not memorable, more than likely it's a good thing. <laughs> if you don't hear that name and you immediately go, oh, uh, that, that's a good thing. Dad worked at the same ministry for 34 years, and many of the people that came through the ministry, the workers that came through in the summer, where we would have 150 workers or so come through in the summer, Dad would know, remember the names of a lot of people throughout history, but there were certain names that stuck out. And you'd say those names, and, and Dad would go, oh, yeah, I remember him. Yeah, he did this. He did that. Every now and then you'd have a name, and oh, yeah, I remember him. He was great. Man, he just he worked hard and whatever like that. But Dad told me, he said, Vince, if, if people don't remember your name, it's not the end of the world. It's probably a good thing um, at the very least because you didn't do something stupid. Joseph, he worked hard. I believe that with all my heart. Yes, he had God's favor on him, but he still, he worked hard. He did his job. And the Lord blessed that. He was focused on God and not on Potiphar. That's what made Joseph great. In verse 9, he says as Potiphar's wife came to him and tried to get him to sin, he says, There is none greater in the house than I, neither hath he kept back, speaking of Potiphar, anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then, then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God. Joseph's eyes was on God the entire time. He wasn't in a great situation. Yes, he had some responsibility. Yes, he had some leadership, but he was still a slave. And he had an opportunity thrown in his face to sin. But his eyes were on God and pleasing God. And therefore, he declined that opportunity to sin. What did his obedience to God get him? What did his right priorities uh, to God get him? Well, it, it got him thrown in prison. He ran from, from Potiphar's wife. She lied and, and uh, said that he was trying to get her to do something. And, and, and ultimately, it led to him being imprisoned. In verse 20, it says, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Everyone else, everyone who said, Joseph, you're great. Joseph, you're doing a great job. Joseph, here's a promotion. Joseph, here's a raise. Joseph, you're wonderful. Now had completely abandoned Joseph. And as he sat in prison, the Bible says, yet God was with him. Why? Because even though Joseph was being stretched, he still had faith. He didn't give up. He didn't get bitter at God. Joseph, throughout his story, throughout his life, had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to become bitter at God. And he didn't. And yet we today, not being sold into slavery, not being thrown into prison, not being forgotten while in prison, we today get bitter at God over the silliest little things. Well, God, I wanted that, and you didn't let me have it. Well, God, that person wasn't nice to me. So many people today who have spent time in church that are not in church, 
are not in church because they're bitter about something that happened to them, whether it be a person looked at them the wrong way, a person said something that was mean or, or wicked, um, uh, they were hurt by someone or something, whatever it may be, and they become bitter at God. And although God could use that to stretch them, instead of still following God and doing right, they run from it instead. I've told you the story about the man I met in New York and prayed with him, and, and he was sharing his testimony with me and things like that. And, and I asked him, where do you go to church? He said, I don't go to church. I said, why not? He said, because everybody in church is hypocrites. He's not lying. <laughs> I agreed with him. I said, you're right. Every single person in church is a hypocrite. I said, but we don't, we don't go to church for people. We go to church for God, to get closer to God, to learn of God. And if we're not going to church, we're not, it's not going to happen. We fail to obey God by, by not being in church. It's an opportunity for us to learn. If we're not there, we're not going to grow. We're not going to be stretched. We're not going to learn. Yet there was bitterness there. Because people who he respected, people who he thought were spiritual, he realized they were humans. And so he got to run away from them. That's the story of many people who are not in church today. You know, there was a time, and I've said this before too, but there was a time where you could talk to anybody in America and they would tell you, yeah, I went to church as a kid. But you know, there's a generation right now that is out of church because of bitterness or because of hypocrisy or because of whatever reason, and their kids aren't in church. And there's going to be a generation very, very soon that the majority of them have never stepped foot in church with the exception of maybe a wedding or a funeral. That's amazing to think because everybody at a time had a Bible in their house. At some point went to church, whether it was just Easter and Christmas or whatever it was, they still went to church at some point in time. They understood the good of church. We're getting away from that. Now there's going to be a generation that comes up, whether it be my children's generation or the generation after them, that's going to... They're, Church is going to be a foreign thought to them. Why? Because God was stretching someone's faith and someone said, no, I don't want anything to do with that. That hurts. That's uncomfortable. And they run away from it. Joseph, though, he did not. Joseph, he had the right attitude and the right work ethic. He had the love of his father, yet all those things led to stretching of his faith. And that leads us to number three, that Joseph's God put him in the palace. For the record, Joseph's God put him in the pit. Joseph's God put him on the, the trail to slavery. Joseph's God put him in the prison. Joseph's God put him in the palace as well. You remember the story of the, uh, the butler and the baker, and uh, they had dreams, and Joseph uh, interpreted the dreams for them, and the butler was the one who survived and uh, uh, lived, and he got promoted back into the king's uh, uh, palace and working for the king, and he was supposed to tell someone about Joseph. And he didn't. And there Joseph sat in prison until one day uh, Pharaoh had a dream, king had a dream, and the butler remembered, I bet Joseph can help. And he finally went and told about Joseph, and Joseph uh, was brought out, and Joseph was, uh, had the opportunity there, and he, and he gave the dream, or, or, or God gave him the, uh, the dream of what he should say and interpret the dream, and he did so. Uh, verse number 16 of chapter number 41. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh 
an answer of peace. Joseph now was out of the confines of prison with an opportunity, an opportunity to, to be filled with pride, an opportunity to take credit and glory. But he answers Pharaoh and he says, it's not me who's going to interpret your dream, it's God. God's going to do it. Joseph gave all the glory to God. That faith of Joseph is a little bit bigger than a mustard seed, I'd say. But God says if you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you can move mountains. Verse 38 of the same chapter, And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Pharaoh recognized it. Why? Because Joseph gave credit to God. All throughout history, if you read through the Bible, you'll find this over and over again. Wicked kings, wicked leaders, wicked people, when they're standing in front of people who give glory to God, they recognize what the God is capable of. And here he says, this man, this, this, this young man, he is someone who has the Spirit of God in him. Ultimately, Joseph's faith allowed him to experience the result that God intended for him. We lack faith, and when we lack faith, it's not that God doesn't know that we were going to lack the faith. It doesn't, it's not to say that God was surprised by it, but God has a, uh, what, what he has and wants and desires for you. God desires peace. God desires a joy-filled life. And God knows what you're going to choose, but God says you can have all of this. He lays it out for us in Scripture. Ask and it shall be given. Have faith in anything you ask in God's name that you have faith that you can receive that is good by God. God says, I'll give it to you. You need wisdom? I'll give you over and above the wisdom that you need. You need provision? I'll provide for you. You need security? I'll give you safety. Ask. Have faith. Pray. I'll give. But oftentimes, our lack of faith causes us to miss out on what is available to us. Joseph's faith allowed him to experience the result that God intended for him. Had Joseph been thrown in the pit and sold into slavery and said, God, I don't want anything to do with you. You allowed this to happen to me. Had he become bitter at his brothers and said, if I ever see them again, I'm going to kill them. Joseph wouldn't have ended up in the palace. In Pharaoh's house, if Joseph didn't have faith that God was going to provide for him and he sinned with, with Potiphar's wife, Joseph wouldn't have ended up in the palace. When Joseph was thrown into prison wrongly, had he become bitter and said, if I ever have the opportunity to get back at Pharaoh and his wife, you better believe I'm going to take it. Joseph would have never ended up in the palace. But everything that we read, we see Joseph stayed faithful to God. As he was being stretched, I'm sure he said, ow, a few times. But everything that we read about Joseph, we see his faith stayed solid. 
and ultimately it led to him not just being in the palace, but basically running the palace, actually running the nation. Why? Because all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose. We just have to be faithful. No matter the trial, no matter the tribulation, no matter the hardship, we just have to be faithful. It's natural for us to get bitter or, or vengeful against people that do us wrong. Doesn't Jesus teach us to turn the other cheek? Doesn't te Jesus teach us that peace is, is preferred over war? Not to say there isn't a time for it, but it's preferred. God says, don't, no matter what happens to you, don't, don't get vengeful, don't get hateful, don't get bitter. Understand that God is using this to stretch you and to stay faithful. Why? So that you can ultimately experience the results that God intends for you. God wants you to have a good life. God wants you to have a blessed life. God wants you to have a joyful life. But it doesn't happen unless we stay faithful and obey. Be faithful. Stay faithful. The growing pains, they're called pains for a reason. They hurt. And spiritual, spiritually, you have growing pains also. That stretching, that that, that, that trying of your faith, that, that, that working through of patience, it, it, it's going to hurt a little bit. There's going to be hardships. There's going to be trials. There's going to be... You think of people like Job and what he went through. You think of people like John the Baptist and the, the, the disciples and what they went through. You think of, uh, of Esther. You think of Ruth. You think of all these people throughout Scripture. Every single one of them had hardships. Noah, any of them. The ones who stayed faithful, they're the ones who saw the best. They're the ones who saw the most of God. They're the ones who saw the greatness of God. You can too. By claiming the truth and the promise that God gives us, that all things work together for good to them that love God and who are called according to his purpose. You may not understand the, the, the circumstances that you're in, why you're going through it, but trust that all things will work out for good. Mutually good for you and for God. Have faith. Stay faithful. Stand firm in what you know God desires for you to do. And then experience and reap the benefit of God's blessings because of it. Lord, I thank you for loving us. And Lord, I thank you that uh, I haven't had to experience some of these things that Joseph experienced or that others that we read about in the scriptures experience. But God, I'm, I know that you still have brought me through trials. And God, I know that you've stretched my faith. And God, I know that each and every one of us are going to experience times in our lives where you're, you're working in our lives, growing us. God, I pray that you'd help us to stay faithful. And God, I pray that you'd help us to claim the promises that you give us in your, in your word. And God, that we will be able to keep our focus on you and you alone. Because God, I know that the end is so much better than what it will be if we turn away from you. Lord, if we lose our faith. So Lord, help us. Help us to look back on the trials of this year and understand it's a growing experience. Lord, help us look forward in faith knowing that all things are going to work together for good if we continue to love you and follow you. 
Lord, I know that you're, you're there with us. God, help us just to be strong in our faith. I pray this in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to stand, if you will, please. The piano will play. Maybe you can look back and you can say this morning, God, thank you. God, thank you for stretching my faith. Maybe it has nothing to do with the pandemic. It has something to do with something else that God did in your life this year. Would you take a moment and say, God, thank you for stretching me. And then ask God for help to continue to be faithful. Maybe you failed in your faith at some point. Today's a great day to say, God, help me to get back on track. God, help me to be faithful. Maybe you're going through something right now that you don't understand. Would you pray to God and ask Him, God, help me in this moment. Lord, help me in this circumstance to be faithful. And then thank God for what is to come. I'm going to be quiet and give you an opportunity to pray. You can stay at your seats. You can come to the front if you want. But we're going to, as the piano plays, just take a moment to pray. you look this way take out your songbook 149 is the song she's playing trusting jesus <clears throat> i just want to sing the uh the first verse and the chorus and then we'll be dismissed it's a great song trusting jesus 149 simply trusting every day trusting through a stormy Trusting as the days go by, trusting Him, whatever befalls, trusting that is all. That's all it takes. Trust in Jesus, Lord. Thank you for being with us this morning, and uh, Lord, we're so good for, so thankful for what you've done for us. Uh, in this year, and God help us to continue to trust you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. We'll be back at 1 o'clock, if you can be back with us. Uh, we'll be voting on the budget this afternoon uh, as well, but uh, good to see everybody this morning. Lord bless you. Let's be dismissed.